You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a what-if edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm the host of this wonderful podcast. And on today's episode, we're doing a what-if Another one of our multi-part coronavirus series as um, this will go on for some time. I don't know. Uh, so if you haven't been keeping up, first podcast or first one of these I did two weeks ago. You can find it on our Locked On feed. It was What If Tayshawn Prince Never Blocked Reggie Miller. Last week I did one. Also find it on our podcast feed, Locked On Pacers. Anywhere you get your podcast, you'll see that. Uh, on What If the Simons Never Bought the Pacers. Next week in the future, I will probably do one tied to the last dance of Michael Jordan. But this week, the podcast is about what if Danny Granger never got hurt. Today's Locked on Pacers podcast is brought to you by Postmates. Are you someone who starts thinking about dinner while you're eating lunch? Well, then you'll love Postmates. The food delivery from every restaurant right to your door. Especially nowadays, using Postmates is the perfect way to get all the places that deliver food right to your place. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi and food. They actually make life easier with grocery delivering and whatever you can think of they deliver as well. From convenience stores, drug stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even think you have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore because Postmates is the place to go. Just download the Postmates app for iOS or Android and find your favorites of anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is offering Locked On Pacers listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's the code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 free dollars delivery with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. Let's take you back to the not-too-distant past, November 7th, 2012. That was the day Danny Granger announced he would be out indefinitely, missed in the next 45 to 50 games with a knee injury at the time to treat a left patellar tendonitis. Not a good sign. At the time, Granger had suffered from a knee injury, knee soreness uh, for the past year, roughly, in the playoffs. 2012, he's, he had some issues with that. Um, missing a practice here and there, but still managed to play games. And he came into the preseason with, with a slight injury. Uh, he had practiced the team a little bit, but at some point it just got too painful, and Granger had to uh, basically get an injection in, into that into that tendon. Uh, and of course, as would happen later on, he would never really be the same player. Um, he would end up playing five games in 2012-13 because of the knee injury reoccurring after he came back. I think we're missing about 50 games. He came back in 2013-14, um, played a minimal amount for the Pacers, but just not the same player, uh, not the same kind of guy. And he would then be traded midseason in. Uh, the Evan Turner, Lavoy Allen trade, and that would be the it for Granger's career with the Pacers. And ultimately, that would really be it for Granger's career in the NBA. He would play another uh, year, partial year in Miami, and that'd be it. After that, Danny Granger, uh, t- I think, ten season NBA career ended. Um, a lot faster than some expected. Uh, quite a nosedive for a guy who, at one point, in his career averaged twenty five point eight points per game in one season. Was an, an All Star. Was the most improved player in basketball. Uh, so what does Granger's injury mean for this Pacers team? Well, there's a web of ramifications because of his injury. The first and most obvious one 
In the 2011 NBA draft, the Pacers traded their 15th overall pick at the time to get George Hill. The Pacers were in desperate need of a point guard. Uh, they were playing Darren Collison at the guard spot. They needed somebody, a stabilizing force, a point guard to solidify the roster, which at this point was starting to develop around a, a blossoming Paul George, a veteran Danny Granger. They would they would sign David West to fit the four, and then a whatever you want to call Ray Hibbert, a pretty solid, really good defensive center who at times flashed as a really offensive player. So they made this trade to solidify their starting five going forward. Of course, that 15-hour pick would be Kawhi Leonard, who would go on to have an illustrious career and still is playing today uh, and is considered probably the best player in basketball, if not one of the best threes, but he's a two-times finals MVP, two-time NBA champion uh, Kawhi Leonard. So the ramification of that is... Ranger was healthy when they made that trade because the assumption was they did not need a small forward. They did not need a Kawhi Leonard-type player, right? Uh, if you go back, the Pacers actually had Leonard much higher on the draft board, similar to what you find out with Granger, but they determined that even if they took Leonard, they really didn't have a spot for him, right? At this point, right, Paul George, while super young, uh, he's shown a lot of promise to this team, and I think in some way they knew that he was going to be a really good player. Uh, Granger obviously was still 27 at the point of this trade, and you're thinking, oh, you're still going to get at least what, three to five more years out of a guy who, right, in the 2011 season, going to the draft, Granger's averaging, I think in the 2010 season, he averaged 20.5 points per game. I mean, that's three straight years of 20-plus points. You're thinking, you know, oh, you're fine at the small forward spot for at least three to five more years. And you really needed a point guard, right? The 2010-11 Pacers had just garbage point guards. I mean, they were playing T.J. Ford. They played A.J. Price at point guard. Um, I believe at one point, those are probably the two guys. Then they, next year, they make a little bit of upgrade, bringing Darren Collison and George Hill, and that sort of was kind of the big thing for this team, the fact that they did that. Um, and you really saw George Hill obviously blossom into the Pacers, a really solid starting point over the Pacers over the next, I think, half decade. I mean, he would he was critical on those teams that won a lot of games in 12, 13, and 13, 14. Uh, he actually was pretty good in their 14, 15 season, uh, the one that PG was hurt on. Even though he missed about half of it when he played, he was really solid. And he just, George Hill had a really nice, you know, he was a really nice player, right? And at 15, the 15 overall pick, you assume you're going to get, a, like, an okay player, right? So the thing about that that pick, right, at 15, is, is the odds of that player being the best player in the world is <laughs> pretty slim, right? I, I mean, I don't know how many guys after 12 have become awesome players. In the future, there's Giannis and there's Kawhi, the two. But, like, between 12 and 20, eight guys are taken, and often, often if not most of those guys – at best, become solid role players, and that's what George Hill was—a solid role player for the Pacers. And so, felt like a fair trade, right? At the moment, um, San Antonio was willing to get rid of Hill because they wanted to hang on to Tony Parker, which ended up being the right move. Parker would be really good in the next couple of years for them. Um, but you know, at this time, it made a lot of sense. It made a ton of sense for the Pacers. Obviously, in hindsight, it's um, an egregious trade. And if it wasn't for James Harden being traded for absolutely nothing, it would probably be worse. Um, at least Kawhi Leonard was a project, so if you draft him, you weren't sure he's going to become the player he became, theoretically speaking. But um, obviously, with the what we know now with Granger's injury, if Kawhi Leonard had been there, uh, the Pacers would have probably have a dynasty. But I'm not doing the what if to Kawhi Leonard podcast because I, I refuse to do that. That what if cuts too obvious. So Granger, let's say Granger stays healthy, right? That's the one we're, we're talking about. So the first minor ramification or minor thing is if he stays healthy, how long does he continue to play for, right? So... And this assumption, I think we can, we can assume, at least 
there's two ways to assume this. One is that he never, ever has any knee, any knee problems, which I don't think is going to ever happen because I think that was part of the reason he fell in the draft in the first place, right? In 2005, Granger actually fell 15 spots to the number 17 pick. Um, for the not 15 spots, sorry, 12 spots. He was probably to go five or six in that draft and ended up falling 12 spots to the Pacers. He was, he was the number four or five guy on the Pacers board, according to, to Larry Bird at the time. Um, so, and he fell, injury history, worries about his knee were part of that. So there was some risk there, right? So let, let's just say his knee injury was not as severe or as prolonged or, it, you know, it, it, it sort of became a what's called a minor. Let's, let's say he would only play 60 games a year for the next, right? I mean, right now, he would today he would be... 36, so I, I mean, maybe still in the league, but let's say for the next five seasons, so from, let's say, 12, 13, 4, 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, and 16, 17, those five seasons, he would play at like a 60-game 60, 60 capacity, but would still be a somewhat similar level player, right? Obviously, you would see some decrease, right? He wasn't going to be the 25-a-point-a-game guy. He just wasn't, even by the time he got hurt, right? He was more like an 18-to-20 point-a-game guy, but you add in the mix with Paul George, and that's a pretty good one-two lethal punch offensively and defensively if they were both at their best, right? And that's the other minor implication, right? If if Granger stays with the Pacers and doesn't get hurt, we probably still see Paul George blossom in the player he becomes, but we probably don't see it as quickly, right? Paul George isn't just thrown into the fire pretty much, right? So Paul George is a big thing for Paul George. His first season, he was a pretty decent player, right? You're talking about 61 games his first season, starting 19. Remember, they ended up firing Jim O'Brien because he wouldn't play Paul George enough. The next season, George has a really solid season, plays all 66 games in the, the short and lockout season, averages 12 points per game. Still a raw talent, but, you know, um, has flashes. But at third season, he makes his leap. From 12 points a game to 17 points a game, and then by the 13, 14 yards, 21 points a game. And he really, in in the 12, 13 season, in that playoffs, he goes from being Paul George, the role player, to Paul George, the superstar, right? I think he would sign a mass contract the next, at the end of that that season. Um, he was an all-star that year. Like, he just, this is where he becomes a player where, like, you, you see the ceiling, right? Could he be, you know, the best player in the league someday kind of ceiling, right? I mean, that's, you know, you're talking about at the time, PG is a 6'9", 6'10", small forward, um, body type like LeBron. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I remember watching these Pacer teams, and my thought was, well, he's going toe-to-toe with LeBron in year three of his career in year four. Imagine what it's going to be like when he's in year five and six. And obviously the Pacers, in my opinion, and uh, kind of failed him by not being able to build a, right, a good enough roster around him. But, man, think about this. So, in 12-13 and 13-14, and let's even say 14-15, let's say Miller PG got hurt that year, the Pacers were at their best, right? You're talking about really a peak, what could have been a peak four core of Paul George, Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert, David West. Those four guys make up, I mean, I think you could compare them to any of the four best players in the league. Yes. So the question is, if Granger's had healthy, you, you one, you, you don't have that Paul George issue where you're able to build around him correctly, that, you know, plague the team in the... 15, 16, and 16, 17 years. Um, that's one part of it. But two, you just you kind of ease Paul George in. So what? Maybe you don't get him to be quite the superstar till maybe 13, 14. Um, so maybe he doesn't end up playing in that exhibition game in, in 2014 summer because he isn't quite the best player yet. So maybe they don't invite him, doesn't snap his leg. I mean, there's all of that. And really, you're talking about the next five years. You have a Pacer team that's kind of locked in that's going to be really good, right? So remember, at this point in the East, you've got the transition, right? Maybe you accelerate LeBron's push, right? So it's it's not it's pretty easy to think that, that oh, LeBron and, you know, obviously win the title 11-12, beat the Pacers, 12-13 beat the Pacers, and 13-14 beat the Pacers with the Heat. Um, but he went to seven games in 12-13, and six in 13-14. And there's a good case if Granger had been on those Pacer teams, they win those games, or they win one of those series, right? I mean, 
you know, by 13-14, you could argue the Pacers would have a – you basically take that Pacer roster that won 50, what, four games, 55 games. It was one of the, you know, the better Pacers teams in 13-14. But they won – but you, you take that team, you take the starting five of George Hill, Lance Stevenson, Paul George, David West, and Roy Hibbert, and what you do is you shift Lance around – and put Lance on the bench, and put Granger in that lineup, and play PG at the two, theoretically speaking, or thing like that. And you've got a team that consists of six really good players, and six guys who at one point in their career, or maybe five guys, but like are all-star level players, right? Roy Hibbert was an all-star level player at one point. West made an all-star game at one point in his career. Lance should have made the all-star game in 13-14. I mean, that's that's a top six where in 13-14, I think you could compare that any of the best top six in the league, and that, that's a top six that could probably win a championship, right? I mean, the top five of that almost did. Uh, if you know they had not kind of blown a couple playoff games to the Heat, but that's top six that does it, right? I mean, you have an aging Wade, so I think that's the kind of the the major ramification of this whole thing is if Granger had stayed healthy, is this Pacers, you know, 2013 to 2016, are they are they the team? Now, the question that comes up immediately is. Let's say 2012-13, they still don't win because PG doesn't quite blast them yet. Granger's still kind of the guy um, in PG instead of being like kind of the go-to option as the number two. And there's some – and they could be by LeBron, who I remember 12-13 was probably one of his best seasons. That was that, that Heat team, I believe, won like – no, maybe the year before they won 26 plus games. But that was kind of the peak two years of the Heat were those two years. But by 13-14, when you've got an, uh, um, a fading Wade and you've got – you know, obviously you've got – LeBron, but that, that that Heat team was really falling apart because it just had spent so much money on the bit three, and they weren't really able to get enough guys around him. That would have been the Pacers' year, right? 13-14. And then really 14-15, the same thing would have been their year. First year of that Cavs team, inexperienced, right? You got you got an inexperienced team with Kyrie and Kevin Love and things like that. And so you're probably, you know, that team was probably more vulnerable that first year than they ever were. Um Although LeBron was still pretty good at his peak there. But then, you know, the question is, if the Pacers have those kind of five players, how do they match up against the Heat, right? Or not the Heat, sorry, against the Warriors, right, in that finals? And, is you know, is there a real chance in this whole thing where if Granger stays healthy, the Pacers kind of, let's say let's say they do it. Let's say they win the title in 13-14, right? So then they're the kind of the, you know, the preeminent dynasty, right? Because now they're a young team, right? They've got, you know, basically what they have is this defensive juggernaut uh, with six really good players, and then you can kind of shift the pieces around. Otherwise, you know, you got you got Scola, Mahimi off the bench. Maybe Salman Hill becomes something here, here or there. Um, I guess you know, thirteen, fourteen would have been his first season. I guess in this scenario, depending on the same draft pick. But you know, that top six is really, really good, and you add a couple guys here or there to it. But that's a top six that is like, you know, just. I mean, I don't want to say, it, but it's an old school defense with the ability to score a ton of points because of the efficiency of West, George, and Granger. And you're talking about a team that is probably, you know, might it might kind of change some of the fact of the NBA. Now, I, I'm still thinking probably by 14, 15, just the way the league was going, Hibbert probably gets run off the court by, you know, the Steph Currys and the Draymond Greens and the Clay Thompson level, kind of that kind of team. But that would have been really interesting to see, right? Instead of seeing sort of like basically what happened right after – the the Warriors is LeBron kind of copied their model. It's similar, right? If you look at it like the the only difference between really those Warriors teams and the Cavs was Tristan Thompson, right? He was kind of the clunky guy. But like the Pacers were a totally different style team, right? They were a much more traditional team where they were light right their entire defense was centered around Hibbert, right? It was about directing guys into Hibbert. If you watch it, a lot of it, they played a lot of press defense because they knew they had the backup of Hibbert there to protect the rim. And that's how they were physical with LeBron. With Steph Curry, who knows? I mean, you know, imagine if you're throwing out a team with Paul George 
and um, and Danny Granger guarding Thompson and and uh, Thompson and Curry, or even you know Hill was a pretty good defensive point guard. I mean, you're talking about like three really good kind of up top defenders. You throw in you know the at this time Lance is a really good defensive player. You know before he kind of faded out uh, later on, but like. It's just interesting to see if, if they had been if Granger had said healthy, there's a chance that that 13, 2013 playoff, 2016 playoffs is like a four year run when the Pacers make two or three finals, win one of them, win two of them. I don't know it, you know if they win all of them, but there there's just so many ramifications of that. Now the other ramification of this is that as that Pacer team, you know, if we're talking, is that Pacer team still together today almost? Like are we talking about like, you know, so remember in this, so Lance leaves in 2013, 14, right? So if you do some, so let's say they end up being really good. Lance becomes a six man. There's probably no way he's leaving, right? And there's, the money wise, do you max out the cap for them? Maybe you do. So there's, right, there's all of that situation. And the cap spiked here, here at some point. So they would have been able to afford, they would have been able to afford all, all these players, right? But I mean, is Roy Hibbert still in the league today? I mean, I mean at this point he's only 30. I think today he's 33 years old or 34 years old, right? Are we talking about a Pacer team right now that is still in existence as a team? Because you know, think about it. George still play. Lance. Could still be playing if he didn't mentally fall apart. So, how could Hibbert? West just retired. George Hill um, is still playing. I mean, there's all the guys in this team are still playing. Now, you, eh, there's, you know, certainly there would have been some changes here or there or whatnot. But, like, I don't know. I think there's a good chance kind of the core of George, Stevenson, and Hibbert remain together. They're all three, you know, under the age of 35 at this point. Um, so, you know, there, there's that if the, if Grant ever got hurt and they win a championship I mean I don't see how you break up that team right if they win two and then you're talking about like this mini kind of Pacer dynasty um but I think it kind of is kind of interesting um I think that's one of the other ramifications the other one is I guess I assume Frank Vogel will be the coach like there's to me the Pacers I'm sure you can do this every franchise in the league but there's a lot of moments where like like an untimely injury right so if Granger for example the other kind of what if to do is what if Granger got hurt in 2010 what if his knee had gotten bad a year two years prior the same thing we said because maybe Kawhi, they don't they don't try out of the Kawhi Leonard pick. Now who's with the team Kawhi Leonard and not that draft? That's who they wanted or whatnot. But to me, there's just like that. There's certain key moments in the Pacers franchise history, and this is one of them. Granger's injury. It just it it was the really like the worst time. It was right as the Pacers were peaking as a team of that roster. Like the next really to me the next three years were their peak. Right. I think they got robbed of the 14, 15 because of PG's injury again. Another injury injury thing that kind of screws me at the end but like they were just picking in that next season that was kind of the peak pacer team of this era the next year or two really 18 months it kind of faded after they lost a bunch you know they started off really well in 2013 40 and then fell fell apart but you know and right at the picking that 18 month period granger goes from being like right by 2020 like he goes from being like a really good starter to like nothing within 18 months which is kind of insane to think about it, right he went from being like you know, three years prior, an all-star franchise player to, you know, two-way monster, pretty much. Like, kind of really a Paul George before Paul George, if you watch him of Granger's old tape, to being nothing by 2014-15. I mean, that's kind of an insane drop that you only see from, like, you know, Brandon Roy is one of those players. But it's it's really rare to see a guy reach his peak so fast and fall quickly. And to make one act comparison before we go off, that's what worries me about Victor Oladipo. So, just something, something to think about. In the moment, um, take a quick break, and I want to do some of my obviously newspaper archiving from this. All right, this won't be very long, but I of course use my little newspaper sub- subscriber thing to look up some articles from around the from around, about Danny Granger. Uh, this more to do with the draft than his injury, because 
there really isn't a ton of articles about about his injury, except you know a couple. Like I read an SI article. I read an, a funny um, Grantland back in the day. Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe did like what's called like an email response where they like wrote out a, ba- a back and forth basically about Granger talking about some of the stuff that I mentioned. He said it's kind of a reference, but how he'd already kind of fallen off by the injury. And it's funny they had a little quote in it about. Um, Paul George and like, is he ready to take off? At that point, it was they they both said they thought he's gonna be a, like he had a lot of potential, but they you know they were finally gonna see whether he was worth the potential or not. So that was interesting to me. But um, the funny thing I found, so go back to two thousand and five. Um, I was reading. So the first thing I read was I found a mock draft of the NBA. So the mock draft I found had Danny Granger going number six, which I thought was really, really interesting. So let's go back to the 2005 NBA draft real fast. I think that is a really interesting NBA draft to look at when you're looking at this whole thing, right? So, like, Granger becoming a pacer is kind of one of the, I don't want to call it weird, but it's really, like, fortunate. And it's really where, um, I would say Larry Burst first get, like, his kind of draft magic, right? So, like, remember, so he would draft Granger at 17. I think he drafted Hibbert in 2000. I want to say 2008. And remember, I know Hibbert didn't end up playing a long time, but Hibbert ended up being a pretty decent player for the Pacers. Like, he was not just, you know, some scrub off the bench. But Roy Hibbert went 17 as well. Um, so another kind of, like, late lottery or just outside the lottery hit for for um, Larry Bird. Then the Paul George, you know, he drafted he drafted Paul George in 2000. At the number ten pick in two thousand and ten, and then I think most was Miles Turner to the fifteen at the at the eleven pick. Like those are four, really. He picked four all star talent guys. Three of them really good at like outside the top ten, which is pretty rare in the NBA when you think about it. But <coughs> um, sorry about that. Coronavirus kicking in. So the two thousand five NBA M- M- draft is an interesting one. So this was the draft of Andrew Bogut. Uh, Bogut went number one. Marv Williams went number two. Darren Williams went number three from that amazing Illinois team. Uh, that Illinois team that won like 38 games. or went like 38-1 or 38-2. I think they lost. Uh, Raymond Felt- Chris Paul went four. Best player in that draft by far. Um, Felton went five. And then it's a drop-off, right? So you have like a Martel Webster, Charlieville Nueva, Channing Fry, not a bad player. Um, E.K. Diago. Andrew Bynum, not a bad player, too. A couple, nice five-year run. Fran Vasquez, Yarlos Korlov, Sean May, Indiana product, North Carolina guy, helped him win the title. Rashad McCrantz, Antonio Wright, Joey Graham, and then Danny Granger at number 17. Right? So between four, well, I would say between four and 17, Granger is better than all those players. Right? Felton never really had a great career. I mean, at his peak, you could, you could compare Bynum and Granger. You can compare their careers, right? So... Like, at their peaks, they're close. I mean, Granger, I think, had a, probably a better peak. But, you know, I guess Ranger went to one All-Star game. I, I guess Bynum went to an all, got to an All-NBA at least once or more than one. More than one yeah, got to an All-Star game and an All-NBA. So, Bynum has peak probably a little better. Obviously, the best player in these drafts, Chris Paul, uh, by far. Williams, probably two. Bogut, probably three in terms of just overall impact. All three players are really Really, really good, and one championship. Obviously, uh, you had David Lee go in this draft at thirty, and that's kind of the, you know, in the last. Well, I guess Monte Ellis went number forty in this draft. So, oh five draft, interesting enough. Um, so players, I guess, still playing in this draft. I found kind of interesting. So, right, Chris Paul still playing, but he's really one of the last ones. You look at it, right? So, like Nate Robinson went in this draft. Obviously, he's not still playing. Jan Mahimi went in this draft, but I think he went when he was eighteen years old, nineteen years old. So, he is still playing. Uh, David Lee is not. 
yeah, from this draft, that's about Amir Johnson is still playing, I believe. So that's kind of it. Um, so I found an article from Bob Kravitz and the Star Writer on June 29, 2005, the day they draft Granger. Is this? Yeah. So there's two of them. There's one from um, Kravitz and one from Mike Wells. Wells kind of talking about the drafting Granger and how he fell and they were surprised. Kravitz is more has to do with talking to Larry Bird. And this, oh, this is a funny kind of little quote, if I can pull it up real fast. Um, let's see if I can find it. So from Kravitz. So uh, this is what this is what Kravitz is. A later Bird, as in Larry Bird, was still looking like he'd won the lottery after picking up picking up picking up a single ticket on the sidewalk. I never dreamed he'd be there. Uh, Bird said, "Nobody could believe it." Chad Ford, ESPN's online draft analyst, wrote the page got the big steal of the draft. So why did Granger fall? There's only one possible issue. After the junior season, Granger, Granger had an off-season shoulder surgery, and six months ago he suffered a torn meniscus, but returned later in the season and played brilliant. Injury-prone, maybe that, maybe that was it. Otherwise, it didn't seem to add up. But Larry Bird said that as Granger became available, he started to think about the 1998 draft when Paul Pierce, a surefire top five pick, somehow fell to Boston at number ten. Uh, 98 draft, interesting. That's, that's the Dirk draft. Dirk, I think, went eight or nine in that draft. Um, yeah, so I think it was interesting how they talked about the injury thing and. For seven seasons, Granger had no injury concerns. I mean, I think he missed games here or there, right? So, like, in his first seven seasons, he played 78, 82, 80, 67, the year of the All-Star game, 62, 79, um, and then 62 in the lockout short season. But he played, you know, 34, 22 minutes first year, then 34, 36, 36, 36, 35, 33. No concerns, and then boom. 2012-13, he plays five games at 15 minutes a game. Uh, his points dropped from 18 points per game to five, and that's it. That's that's his career's over at that point. I mean, the literally turned out 41 games, and he played 30 games, and that was it. From the time he got hurt, he wouldn't even play a full NBA season worth of games after that moment, which is, I think, it's just like some some point kind of terrifying, ironic, sad. I mean, it, it is one of those. It is one of the moments I think in Pacer history, like I said earlier, that like if he just holds on for like even two or three more seasons. Pacers might have won a championship or competed, at least been in the NBA Finals. You know, who knows if they would have beaten the Spurs. Spurs were a really good team. Not so were the Warriors. The Warriors became an all-time team. Um, and they, you know, LeBron was still really good. But, man, a, a just starting five off the top of my head of Roy Hibbert, David West, Granger, George Hill. I mean, that is a – I mean, if you thought those teams with Lance were good, which they were good, don't get me wrong, or a suffocating team defensively, those five – Oh man, you had Granger go against Wade, PG get go against LeBron, and then you could switch Granger back onto him, and then you could put Jordan Wade a little bit, and then you just demolished at the rim. I mean, you're just talking teams that are just like, I mean, that's those five guys would compete against any of the best teams of that era, in my opinion. And they and really four of those guys plus Lance did, so that's worth thinking about. Um, and Granger was a much better player than Lance because of his he was just bigger, he was a better scorer, he was more efficient, he was less you know about it by himself and more about the team. I think is you know just a better player. Um, that's all I got. Let me know if you enjoyed this What If podcast. Uh, of course, you can tweet at us at Lockdown Pacers. That's me and my co-host Tony East. You can follow at TSNBA and me at Freedom Adam Five. That's all for this Lockdown Pacers podcast. We'll be back again next week with uh, our three shows a week. Hope you guys are staying safe out there and have a good rest of your day.